Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast. I'm Daniel Winter. And this is Mark Uasa. Okay, and welcome to episode 10, the big two digits. Uh, we, of course, announced last episode we were going to cover, uh, cover Halo 4 for this next episode, but since we're, we're celebrating uh, both the end of the year and uh, a minor milestone, we thought we'd uh, give ourselves the luxury of a little end-of-year retrospective. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think that's a great a great opportunity to cover those topics, and uh, who knows? I, I sort of hit two Halo campaigns back to back, so maybe there'll even be more than Halo Four. We'll cover next episode. Yes, I, I, I finished Halo Four and moved on to Five with a little uh, little taste of Infinite, just for comparison. <laughs> awesome. uh, one of the other podcasts I follow is actually just started a uh, sort of a book club style uh, series on the original Halo Combat Evolved. That's a dev game club podcast. They, they're a couple of game developers that do like several episodes on a single game. So they're taking a real deep dive. So I might, I might even dive back into that original one for uh, the full breadth of the Halo experience. I got some fond memories of that title. <laughs> in the meantime, uh, since we started this uh, podcast relatively late in the year, there's a few things over the course of the year that we didn't have a chance to talk about. So maybe this might be a good chance to, to double back and uh, cover some of our favorites, not necessarily our, our top game. It's been tough to to get a lot of plays of any particular game in. I think that's totally fine. I mean, we're a pretty casual show. We never said that we were games journalists, and <laughs> I don't think anyone should judge us for to determine the best games of the year. Yeah, they're just the games to me that I played. Uh, they gave me some degree of comfort or joy in this strange year. And uh, that's why I wanted to highlight them and just talk about them. I don't them even a know more. what year it is, to be honest. <laughs> it's the longest uh, 18 months of a year we've ever <laughs> had. There's a couple of games I've um, I've played this year. I've, I've, I've had the luxury of having a couple of previews of upcoming games that I really enjoyed, but aren't technically released yet. So I'll, I'll save those for, for next year, perhaps. All right. Shall we roll into our yeah, first so do we, games? Do you want to cover board games or video games first? Shall we flip a coin? Let's start with board games. There's not too much meat on the bone for me, I must admit, but we'll, we'll dig into so that. I think we're going to we cover three games each. That is three, three board games, three video games each. Uh, there may be a couple of uh, honorable mentions on top of that, but we'll, we'll try and limit it to this, those, those three, I think. Do you want to start us off, Mark? I'll, I'll just mention one. And uh, funny enough, it is a game we've covered on the show. It was our episode one, I believe. It's The Lost Ruins of Arnak. Obviously, if you haven't heard it yet, you can go back and listen to it in its entirety. But, you know, I've had uh, a few months now to really think about the game. And I played it dozens of times more. And the sole reason why is because I've been playing this game on Board Game <laughs> Arena. So... Any move that the publishers made to push this onto an official platform like Board Game Arena, I think it was a really smart move. It's it's a game that I've played a lot. You know, I'm excited about the expansion coming up. I have really not kept up with the the hotness these last really two or three years. And, you know, it's not something I'm ashamed of. It's not something I care to be up to date on. I just like games, whether they're old or new. So it's nice that I got a chance to play a new-ish game. 
uh, share it with friends like yourself and others and even enjoy it with strangers on BGA. And it's been on my regular rotation. I pr- probably have two or three games going on at any given time. And a lot of the feelings I have are the same. It's not revolutionary. It's not super deep, but it is undeniably quite replayable. A lot of the complaints that people raised was that there's not a lot of opportunity for deck building. Now, I think that that's not necessarily true. It's just that you're not ever going to have these massive decks. I've had cases where I've had decks the size of five cards, you know, decks of six cards. In in one very fatal case, <laughs> a deck with only four How cards. How many in it. cards? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty obsessive about chopping out those fear cards. So. For that reason, I think it is a deck building game. It's just one that's one of the rare ones that focuses on having as few iterations as possible, which makes the strategizing even more, all that much more important. If you don't have a synergy between five cards, you're screwed, right? So I think it really does uh, behoove you to play smart in the few uh, amount of turns you have and really execute on that game. And, you know, I've had winning games. And I've failed in games. And I feel like every time I failed in that game, it's perfectly fair because I didn't take the right opportunities. It's it's not a game where you can just go on autopilot and win. I think it's a game where you, you can get good at and you can play it over and over again, even the base game. And for that reason, it's it's one of the top uh, games of this year for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I feel pretty similarly about this. It is it is on my honourable mentions. I still don't entirely feel. I don't know if I, I like the game. Like I, I do like it. I don't know if I love it. It's it's still really hard to nail down for me. Again, it's just one that I've played a lot of this year. I'm very familiar with. It's very accessible uh, and, and easy to get into and easy to. As you say, it's, it's not particularly revolutionary or deep, but I, I have learned a little bit to meet it on its own terms. I am looking forward to the expansion. I, I may be hoping that may add some additional depth. I know it's focused mostly on adding some asymmetrical elements. They're, they're, they're quite asymmetrical. It's not just a, a player ability. Like Every card in the starting deck is quite different. They all have completely unique mechanics in progressing that character over the course of the game. So that that seems quite interesting. Like for better or worse, like I don't I don't know that it's my one of my favorites, but it's a game I've played a lot of <laughs> for better or worse. That's really my main criteria here is I don't expect every game to be a masterpiece. The proof in the pudding here is that I come back to play it again. That's undeniably the case with this game. So that's why it's on the top of my list. The oh yeah, I, I've actually got the physical game. I have played a couple of games in person with a friend i don't know if you've had the chance to try that yet so maybe we should do that sometime i would uh, relish an opportunity to play with the physical components excellent let's do that sometime okay uh i'd like to talk about isle of cats uh, i think it's a 2019 release but i i first got my hands on it this year uh, i i actually had a i got a review copy um very kindly from uh city of games i think the publisher frank west and it's a, it's a. We haven't, we haven't discussed this game, so I'll just give a very quick rundown. Is that it's a tetronomo, uh, like the 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 Tetris pieces that you're uh, each signifying a cat that you're trying to fit onto your boat. Every player has a boat, and you're sort of drafting cats to to fit onto your boat and and earn various points. The trick is there's 
a couple of hundred cards in this game of all different kinds of, of, of actions. And you're basically drafting these cards that do a whole variety of things uh, from giving you, from like letting you buy cats for one thing, but also just uh, objectives, like uh, points, points, objectives uh, and special actions and, and treasure to also fit on your boat. And there's, you're drafting all these, dozens of, of cards and really forming your own, a, a unique strategy in how you how you take these cards and then get these cats into your boat and whether it's putting them on the edge of your boat or matching colors or fitting them into certain rooms there's uh, a lot of different ways of scoring this game so it's, it's a, a huge amount of replayability in this in the card variety uh there's i mean there's also various modes there's like a, a simple simplified family mode there's a solo mode with like an automata. There's a remote mode. It's designed to be played in like Zoom calls sort of thing. Like one person has as as a camera on the game, and the rest are, are watching in. And we we played with some friends in the UK with that. But it's it's actually it's a it's a very different style of game. So instead of drafting cards and cats, you actually have a grid. Uh, alternating cards and cats, and then you can choose everything from one row or one column. Uh, and that in of itself was a super unique mechanic I really enjoyed, regardless of whether it's remote or not. Uh, so I, th- I think they've actually uh, broken that out into its own sort of roll-and-write game that's coming out in the in the last Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that. Have, have you Are you familiar with this one at all? No, um, I, I know what it looks like. Uh, it's not a game I've played, but I do enjoy cats. <laughs> I got two kittens, actually, uh, as an early Christmas gift this year from my family. So uh, that would be an ideal choice for us to put under the tree or get sometime in 2022. playing the game in, in real life right now. <laughs> yes, we're stuck in this um, COVID island inside our home. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an extremely colorful game, um, quite accessible in, in terms of that. So very, very sort of family-friendly theme, colorful game, lots of, lots of different ways of, of customizing how you how you approach it. So I, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I would like to try it out sometime. All right, what's your number two? It is, no surprise if you've heard me talk about games I've played before, but it's Eminent Domain. Uh, I will give this caveat that this is a 10-year-old game, by the way, but the reason why it rises to prominence as a game I really enjoyed in 2021 is that uh, it's been on BGA for a long time, but uh, I've played you know dozens of the uh, the game in real life. But they released the first expansion, uh, Escalation, a few months ago, and through adding the expansion, they completely overhauled the BGA module. Uh, the interface is different, the you know sequencing is different, and it's a, a really considerable improvement. And they did an outstanding job with it. So for that reason alone kudos um, must be given to Board Game Arena. Uh, I played with some elements of the Escalation expansion and physical copy, but parts of it always seemed a little confusing. Some of the new cards seemed a bit confusing. They added these new scenarios, which are, are actually really exciting. And it just adds way more depth to a game that I already enjoyed. You could call the base game a really simple, quick game to pull out, uh, a filler even. And with the addition of the expansion, it takes it into a much more serious strategy game, almost to the depth of a full centerpiece game. So uh, it's it's just breathed new life into this game, which I already love. It's it's 
definitely my favorite card game and one of my favorite tabletop games, period. So for that reason, uh, it brought me a lot of comfort in this hard year. That's really a theme with all the games I chose is their comfort (laughs) food for me. Totally subjective, absolutely. But if anyone wants to play it with me on BGA, I'll play it anytime. Why don't know if we actually describe the game? It's a deck building sci-fi game, yeah? It's a deck building game, yes, but it's it's a, one of the more innovative ones because it sort of takes the roots of Puerto Rico and San Juan and Race for the Galaxy did and it extends it even further. The designer, uh, Seth Jaffe, um, calls it a, a deck learning game because essentially you gain a card every turn that you take. You have to gain a card every turn that you take. And they're one of the five standard cards, basically corresponding to the five roles that you can perform. The idea is that you more, the more you do one role, the better you get at that role because you have more of that color of card. And if you perform this entirely optional action uh, research, you can gain the only unique cards out of the game. Otherwise, you can play an entire game with just those five cards, with duplicate copies of just those five cards. It's really innovative. It's not at all like Dominion or Thunderstone or any of those uh, Dominion clones that came out really in the early days of deck building games. Uh, It was really one of the earliest truly innovative deck building games, I thought. And I'm surprised that more games haven't, you know, copied that deck learning uh, aspect. Regardless of the simple premise, it offers a lot of variety because there's this sort of space exploration theme. You take over planets either peacefully or through colonization. There's uh, production and trade. Um, Basically all the bells and whistles of race for the galaxy but it's it's a lot less about individual unique cards that you sort of have to know how they operate it's about timing and it's about sort of rhythm and risk essentially because you're you're picking and choosing which cards you want to keep in your hand as opposed to dominion which didn't let you keep any cards in your hand so just a fantastic deck building game and still my favorite Yeah, i mean i I know i played it with you once on on bga i think and i'll be honest didn't leave a lot of an impression but i think that's partly just the nature of bga being so much harder to visualize and remember um yeah it's a very unassuming game so i'm not surprised that you know it it certainly doesn't have the visual flair of a lot of you know full-on tabletop games um, it comes in this really minuscule quarter-sized box with this very generic space art. <laughs> and um, the the graphic design is great, but the initial artwork, you know, still better than anything that Terraforming Mars did in its first edition. <laughs> That's um, a <laughs> But, uh, exactly. But a very unassuming game, very light scale game, you know, a game you could easily pop in a little Ziploc bag and take with you to a cabin. Yeah, I mean, or the same could be said for Race of the Galaxy, and it's, uh, it's a classic. Uh, so yeah, I, I would, I'd be down for revisiting that sometime with a, with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, maybe we'll have a stream where we can play a few of the smaller titles on our list. Yeah, great idea. All right, tossing it back to you. Speaking of sci-fi colonization, I guess you could say, um, my second pick is Beyond the Sun. Uh, again, one of the games we covered on the podcast. I think it might have been the third, the third episode, like a second board game, perhaps. Uh, so it's a 
it's not quite a, a civilization game, but it takes some of the elements of the civilization game, sort of zooms in uh, specifically on the, the tech tree, and with a little bit of uh, area control on the side. <laughs> There's a bit of a mini game there. So yeah, I, I've since we played it on the podcast. I actually played a couple of games in person and found it easier than I expected to be able to keep track of everything. I know we had a little bit of concern with the readability of the board and I mean the the, the, the graphic design is very exciting I guess similar to, to Eminent Domain it's, it's a lot of black and white and not much not, not very not much very art, not much artwork or sort of pop or anything but it's very readable by the way that it, it's it's not there's no distracting graphics so it's quite easy to, to see the information that you need to see and really much like a, a tech diagram I guess uh, so that 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 made it a lot easier than playing on BGA, just visualizing all that information I found. And I, I've even played a couple of the advanced factions, which I know were a little bit divisive. It was interesting that they they because they're all unique these advanced factions as opposed to the base game. Uh, but rather than having a unique player ability, which has a lot of games treat it, this gives each faction a unique objective. So you start out the game with these with these preset goals to research two level three techs or colonize two systems. Fairly fairly straightforward, uh, but once you hit those sort of milestones, then you get a unique bonus or or, or ability. Uh, so it's it's it gives you a little bit a little, little bit of direction, perhaps. So I mean, I don't even know if they're necessarily advanced because they might be better for. Uh, introductory players to have that goal rather than the sort of sandbox of the base game perhaps so i don't think they're necessarily advanced or any more difficult but they were a, a sort of good little puzzle i guess that game i have played a few more times since we covered on that episode and unlike arnak or uh, some of the other games i was never really drawn back into it for a space game, it doesn't really capture that whole glory of exploration or a grand scale of technological achievement or um, adventure that uh, some of the other titles I mentioned have, even as minimal games as Eminent Domain. I don't think uh, it really captures it for me beyond the <laughs> sun. Uh, I, I really respect it as a sort of impressive clockwork mechanism. But uh, it, it didn't really inspire me as a, either a narrative or um, really like a compelling competitive game or even a personal puzzle to overcome. Uh, I, I guess like it's just adequate in, in all <laughs> regards. But I could definitely see how one could excel at it in, on a competitive level. Yeah, to, to, to each their own. I, I totally support anyone who... Enjoy the yeah, heck it out certainly of that makes game. you work a lot harder than Arnacht for that theme, and I mean, in addition to the themes, it, it, it doesn't—it doesn't really give you much to work with. Uh, and I mean, mechanically, you, yeah, a lot, 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 lot trickier. Whereas Arnacht is much more about improvising. The, uh, Beyond the Sun requires a lot more sort of careful planning, and I, 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 at least I feel I feel better about that in person, where just being able to math that out properly and with all the visual pieces i found it's all clicked into place a lot better for me uh so what little there is to work with i think is just slightly more uh exaggerated on the table rather than the sort of that flat vga screen sure yeah 
I know there are some expansions coming out for that one as well that I'm, I'm quite curious. I think adding some more modules, some unique player powers, some I think a solo mode that I'm interested in trying. So yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on that one. I should give it another try in uh, physical form. Always. Never write <laughs> off a game you haven't played at the table. Okay, so what is your third pick? All right, my final board game pick is uh, maybe an unconventional choice for a, a board game podcast, but it truly meant something to me and especially to my family this past year. Uh, I'm, I say year, although really it's since the beginning Decade, of COVID, uh, <laughs> to be quite honest. Era. <laughs> yeah, who can... Who can keep track of time these days? It's called Animal Upon Animal Unicorns ah, Edition. A Haba connoisseur, I see. <laughs> a Haba game. It's it's actually my I think my only copy of Haba of Haba title we have. Uh, although I think my mom has the Rhino game. Animal Upon Animal. Go check it out on BGG or at your local game store. It's a really a blast. Uh, if you have any any young people or non serious game fans in your circle i think you owe it to yourself to take a look at it because it's it just totally works it works it's so simple you don't need a rule book because the basically you just need the die the die tells you exactly how to play the game there's one die everyone gets the same set of x animals i think it's like seven or eight animal shapes there's a standard edition with a sort of jungly animals and then the two uh, newer editions that came out uh, around the same time, one of them features dinosaurs and one of them features unicorns. I'll just like, say like we're, we uh, we're firmly team dinosaur here, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm not, I'm not against dinosaurs. I just bought a copy of Dinosaurs for a kid's birthday party recently. So parents, including myself and my wife, are happy to play it. Even if you don't enjoy yourself, it's going to end in 15 minutes anyways. It's just full of laughs because ultimately, whoever gets rid of their very, uh, strangely shaped animal pieces first wins the game. You're taking turns in a, around the table, uh, placing either one or two pieces or handing off pieces. Um, so you get a little bit of take that in a, in a fun manner because, you know, can't argue with the dice, right? <laughs> and even the adults, if they want to give themselves a challenge, they can. They can make this game card harder for themselves. So even like a inveterate gambler or, <laughs> or you know, just um, uh, just someone who likes to push the envelope will enjoy setting themselves up a nice challenge there. So, so, so really you can't lose with this game. It's a real blast. And for a, a kid's birthday party, it's a solid, solid choice. So for that reason, since it came out so many times to the table this past year, um, that's why I thought of, I would mention animal upon animal. Yeah. I know, no, nothing wrong with, with that. I, I've got the, the base game and the dinosaurs edition uh, here. I, I bought them for my daughter, uh, who, who you may actually have heard a minute ago on the baby monitor, but um, she's not quite old enough for, for it yet, but hoping in the new year to, to start breaking out some of those heavier games. Sometime in the next year or so, we might work our way up to some in a pool and animal. So looking forward to trying that. Something to look forward to, for sure. <laughs> okay, well, uh, why don't I wrap up this segment with my third pick. Uh, and from from that, going to on the uh, heavier end of the scale here, uh, but the real, the big surprise 
standout for me this year that I, I didn't really see coming is Imperium Classics or Legends. It's kind of a dual release. I, I've played um, Imperium Classics, but you can you can buy either as a standalone product. So Imperium Classics, it's I think we may have discussed it briefly on the podcast, but we I think we did. But uh, it's a, a deck building game. But whereas I, I've played a lot of deck building games in the last year that are very streamlined and accessible, like uh, Clank is one that certainly comes to mind but uh this really doubles down on adding a lot of depth uh and i, I know we've played it once or twice um there's, there's a, a free demo on on tabletop simulator and i've also played solo a couple of games and yeah it's a, a lot of fun you've got eight civilizations in the box each one is a unique deck that plays very differently they each have a sort of unique strategy uh you've both different cards in the deck and different abilities and so they play they play vastly differently and so many ways of building your deck in in, in interesting ways in that every time you cycle your deck you're adding a new card and the push and pull of of, of trying to keep a lean deck and while constantly new cards being added uh, is 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 a really fascinating puzzle because you've got so many ways of managing cards instead of you can store cards temporarily or you can burn them permanently or you can stash them in your history vault to to get points and there's so many different ways that you can manage this deck in various ways both like and that changes depending on what action you're, you're playing as obviously like the the egyptians are really obviously really into to entombing their cards permanently whereas others like the um scythians i think who are very nomadic and so they're very much about setting up temporary little outposts and stashing cards under there for later uh and of course you've also got your um the sort of common cards anyone can buy and so you can really try and find a unique synergy with your faction using those and i yeah as as on on the heavier end of a deck building and something i have not really seen much of i i found this a really really meaty puzzle to dig into i really enjoyed the couple of times that i played with you i haven't played it otherwise but similar or slightly to what i mentioned for arnak i think that's a game that really balances on the edge of a knife there with with the very few cards that you have at your disposal um you can really math it out and execute a really strong turn because you know you you know exactly what you have going on in your deck and you can be really successful by um strategizing and and executing and and that's exactly the type of card games i enjoy card slash board games that i enjoy so uh definitely i would give a thumbs up i think that's partly why they the consensus seems to be that it's best at two players because these decks are sort of so tightly um balanced that in like i think we played a three or four player game on on tabletop simulator and it kind of just evolved into chaos <laughs> the way some of those, those factions combined against each other uh, i know i had a bad time oh no no i didn't ha- I, I i played very badly put it that way uh so i think the the duel of, of one one v one civilizations in that uh is where you really uh see the the shine like the the solo puzzle for example every, every matchup is unique much like a summon a wall or something like that like every faction like it's not just your faction that's unique but the way you approach each opposing faction and how you counter them is going to be different every time 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we mentioned previously that I'm not sure how much replayability there is in each faction. Like, again, in each matchup might play out quite similarly, uh, but there's quite a few combinations in the box, obviously, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to exploring the rest of them. It's definitely worthy of being on this list. Yeah, so uh, a couple of honorable mentions very quickly. Uh, I, I was tempted to put Cascadia, on this list, but since we discussed discussed it like last week, <laughs> I didn't want to, to retread that ground. Uh, I, I think we were all pretty effusive in that podcast. It's definitely one of the games of the year, uh, but did want to repeat myself there. But uh, just one quick shout out to that. Uh, Yokohama, which we also covered, uh, I was also a big fan of and have since managed to play a physical game of that. Had a lot of fun. I guess obviously an older game, but it's going to... Uh, be a classic for years to come i think i think it has found itself a new publisher yes yeah i think i saw some rumblings about that and i'm, I'm curious to see uh if if it gets a revival so anything else you wanted to shout out yeah a couple of quick uh shout outs for board games i played um i just recently played deus which is a game i had tried initially a while ago but uh, i guess i never really wrapped my brain around it or, or found a group that uh, really enjoyed playing it, um, and I played it with Matt and uh, Chris from our regular game group, uh, and they, of course, <laughs> kicked my butt, predictably, even though I taught the game to them. Uh, but I still had fun, because um, I think the game really just gelled for me, finally. It's like, ah, I get the rhythm of this game. I get the pace of this game, and and it's sort of like Eminent Domain that way, or Race for the Galaxy. It's It's a game that you could play infinitely, because it's all about permutations, execution, strategy, and chance. I, I like all those elements in various uh, measures. And so uh, it, it's great. And unlike some of those other card games I mentioned, it has a, a board state. It has a shared map that you take control of. Uh, and it's very exciting that way because you get to actually um, compete uh, in a visual sense. And uh, Eminent Domain certainly doesn't have that. So that's just another reason why I want to play that game again soon. Excellent. I don't think I, I don't think I've tried that one. It's on BGA, and I think it was also on. Uh, I think it was also on Yukata for a long time, actually. Um, so you can play it in either spot, and I recommend it. Excellent. I'll keep an eye out for that one. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll teach you sometime if you want to learn. Uh, one more game I'll quickly mention is uh, a game called Eternal Chronicles of the Throne. It's another boxed competitive card game, but this time it's based on the computer game which I also play regularly. Very different game system, though. And I have played it with my with my nine-year-old, and we enjoy playing it quite a lot. So just for that reason, that uh, it's a fond feeling playing with my child. It's a, that's another reason why it's a, a mention for 2021. Okay. Well, why don't we flip the table, or the, or the coin, as it were, uh, and take a look at the digital side of the of the <laughs> discussion uh, our favorite video games of the year okay shall i start us off this time sure why not <laughs> okay uh so one i played at the start of the year uh i mean i'll, I'll say this quickly i guess i've, I've i have the, the the benefit and curse of, of of game pass is that playing a lot of games but it, it sort of encourages you to dabble a little bit here and there for, for better or worse so it's, it's it's not it's good for trying a lot of different things but easy to get distracted and never actually get around to finishing them so I, i've got a lot of games on my burner right now 
Yes. So when I I did manage to finish this year towards the start, so it's faded a little bit from memory, but one that has improved in hindsight, I think some games you you feel really strong on when you beat them and then they, you quickly forget about them and they don't, they don't actually leave any lasting memory and others just sort of simmer and, and gradually sort of leave a better impression over time. And this is definitely one of the latter uh, called observation uh came out a couple of years ago 2019 uh it, it was on game pass i don't think it's it is anymore but it's on most platforms uh it's from a company called no code which did stories untold i think was their previous game is this a game that has a rocket ship prominently in the uh, i mean it's in space i don't know about a rocket ship you're on a you're on a space station basically um you know quintessential sci-fi story you've got a handful of people on an isolated space station something goes wrong the ai is being creepy and sort of evasive the trick is in this game you are playing as the ai uh sam i think his name is uh you're so you're, you're the the computer system uh so you can flip you're basically flicking around between different camera point of views and eventually you can sort of hop into these drones and fly around this space and the humans are sort of directing you to like something's going wrong in the ship and they're directing you to try and fix these these issues and there's a bit of problem solving as you try to navigate both in the navigation and sort of solving various puzzles but i mean things gradually get pretty grim <laughs> uh it's, it's a very hard sort of science fiction story um but there's there's also some pretty very mysterious sort of um mystical science fiction by the end of it let's just put it that way without spoiling anything uh so it's similar to something like uh sunshine or arrival sort of very science that's so so advanced it's very really hard to wrap your human minds around but that way um I, i was just doing some research on it earlier and realized that the director was actually had a history with alien isolation one of my favorite games and it was sort of inspired by thinking about a game from the point of view of the alien or in this case the point of view of how <laughs> um and and what that how that might change your perspective so it's, a, it's certainly a, a, a you're, you're playing a, an ai that's now functioning in in some way but how much agency you have over that like i you don't even know necessarily whether are you following some alternate programming? Are you evil? What's, what's the deal? So there's a great little story going on there. Uh, and the relationship between you and some of the human characters is, is, is pretty strong. So yeah, also that was a, that was a memorable little experience. It's actually different than the game I was thinking of. So um, I had the wrong one in mind, but uh, I think I can picture the cover right now. It's like a astronaut, female astronaut kind of, cradled in some sort of machine i think is is what i recall seeing on xbox game pass so it's not on anymore no it's, it's prompting me to buy it and it's on the console um but i don't think it's currently on game pass but i mean watch uh, out for okay. it on uh the holiday sales perhaps <laughs> plenty of those going around for sure no that's great uh, i will uh keep that title in mind um it's always hard to tell with some of these lesser known games on game pass uh, which are the real gems to it's check from out devolver digital who has a pretty strong record 
for me right now. And then the spoilers, it won't be the last time you'll be hearing about them in this episode. <laughs> Very cool. All right. My game uh, is a game I tried out quite early in the year. It's a title that I've been meaning to play for a while and not a new game either. It's a, a game called Near Automata. It's uh, a game I had read reviews about and I had heard sort of like the, the mythos behind it's, it's a, it's a kooky Japanese <laughs> game essentially. Uh, and, and, and Japanese games can be kooky in so many different ways, but this uh, game has a very sort of auteur quality to it. You know, I heard rough descriptions about how the game sort of blends a lot of different genres. So I wasn't, like surprised when I saw some of the weird twists and turns that it makes notably early on it changes from in real time from one genre into another genre of game and it's not the last time that the game shifts and morphs uh, entirely into a different feel a different mood uh, a a different sort of um, atmosphere and different narrative styles it was such a, a real refreshing change it's it's stylish it's almost black and white this game it's sepia tone right and uh with hints of you know interesting uh contrast in its color choices and its uh lighting choices it it shifts from 3d to 2d uh regularly and it switches from very narrative to very you know silent and atmospheric for long periods at a time and it just really felt like an auteur's work without the pretension felt like watching some like early Kurosawa or something like that. It's like the strong director's choices, but also like playing with your preconceptions of what a video game is and what is a visually told story is. So uh, I wouldn't say it's an interactive movie, but it's almost like an interactive novel at times where the way you flip between pages is to is to play a shoot a directed experience a shoot 'em up it's game. somewhat controlled i guess yeah. it's very cognizant that it's a video game it's sort of like a postmodern video game um so i'm not gonna spoil too much stuff because people should just go check it out if you haven't already just sort of be open for something different I can't really think of anything that covers exactly the same notes as it, but I would say overall a sort of action game with strong sci-fi tones. It's not quite a Metroidvania, but it, it sort of has aspects of that. It has aspects of shoot 'em up. It has almost, almost RPG qualities. I, was, I wouldn't say exactly RPG qualities. They're very atmospheric, strange cuts, strange choices. Leaves you kind of puzzled, scratching your head a little bit. What are dreamlike qualities? But the, what are those arts? Certainly. The character designs are fantastic. The, oh, music, the music is great. Yeah. yeah, and the action is just really spot on in a lot of the cases too. Like oh, all the various styles are really just tight. I would just say I played it early in the year and this kind of reinvigorated my interest in video games, <laughs> um, which is, it sounds like a hyperbole, but it's, it's not really for a long time. I was the most common games, uh, digital games I play would be digital board games day in and day out. I just play digital board games and then playing this one, sitting myself in front of the couch or in front of the computer and playing it on the Xbox game pass, just cause it was, you know, it was included in the package 
playing it really made me think, oh, I'm I'm like missing out on things here. I'm missing out on real unique experiences, unique experiences, by the way, that I wasn't having because of COVID. So um, it just really kicked me in the pants and made me much more of a video game player like I used to be. So for that reason, it, it you know, really was a, a gift, a boon for me. So near Automata, very powerful Yeah, it game. really redefines what's possible with video game storytelling and, and sort of utilizes that medium to, it, to its strengths. I, I, I played it a couple of years ago, maybe last year. I can't remember when. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily show. It doesn't play its hand. It's opening hand doesn't really show its strengths. It sort of if, if feels very much like a, a standard sort of anime story, uh, sort of typical combat. It, it, it takes a while to really show its hand and what it's trying to do, both in both mechanically and in its story, without spoiling too much. It yeah, mixes things up quite a bit. <laughs> it sort of unfurls, yeah, right? Yeah. It's it's like kinda of like an onion. <laughs> it's like, whoa, they're really going there. Like just the way I'll just give the slightest of 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 hints to the stories, like just the way it treats the antagonists is very, very unconventional. Mm. At, at times kind of puzzling. It's like they're really making you kind of question what you're doing uh, in this game. Very so, heavy themes too. So like, cool stuff. Um, I mean, you're playing you're playing as androids basically, and so a lot of philosophizing about the nature of humanity and consciousness, and you're you're in for a pretty heavy time by the end of that. But you're also going to visit post-apocalyptic Disneyland <laughs> and, and, and watch the the robot parade happen at, at yes, two o'clock yeah. in the afternoon and, and two fifteen <laughs> thereafter. Yeah, it's a very, I've actually very strange been playing Near Replicant, which is the remake of the original game. Um, something like which a prequel, is earlier I think. than yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, I've only I played that this year, but I've only played the first arc slash ending. Uh, it, it's it's a similar sort of pacing, I think, to that game. So it's, I think I, I'm enjoying my time with it, but there's a lot more to see uh, digging into that. So I'm hoping to to wrap that up sometime in the new year. Very cool. Okay, something a little lighter, perhaps. Uh, uh, one of my favorite games this year was Psychonauts 2, the much-anticipated sequel. It must, it must have been like over 10 years, I think, since the original game. A long time. Yeah, uh, so that's by Double Fine um, and Xbox Game Studios, I guess, is the publisher. So it's uh, ostensibly a, a, an old-school platformer much like the original it's a not particularly common genre these days you're, you're jumping around uh with you gradually unlocking abilities that help you navigate this world but i mean but for one thing the first thing that stands out obviously is just the the, the character the world design is so colorful and i mean everyone looks like they're made of plasticine with heads shaped like footballs and <laughs> very very unusual unusual character and world design um, but then it gets even wackier from there, obviously, when you're entering inside people's heads and seeing their sort of brain representation of, of some of their, their inner workings. Uh, and that's where the game really has its strengths and with some super creative um, world design and, and concept building. But it's it's not just... The, it's surprisingly heartfelt some of the, the themes and characters it explores towards the end especially there's some 
world, like the, the the world reflecting the the sort of inner turmoils of these characters, and there's some really heartbreaking stories there. Like this is, you you, you I mean, without spoiling too much, you're basically exploring the the various characters that set up the Psychonauts decades previously and were thought to have failed basically and they're in various states of, of of distress and working through their feelings of loss and failures and the way that's represented in the both physically in the game world and just through the the characters sort of characterization and and, and growth is, is is really strong i felt um there's yeah some some great i can't really spoil too much but like i don't know the, the one that the real showcase a lot of people talked about was the one of the characters is played by Jack Black, and it's this. Uh, what's 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 the Beatles? Uh, yellow submarine, sort of very psychedelic colors, and the th- it's all themed around like a traveling roadie band, and it's yeah, really really mind bending stuff. <laughs> it's uh, quite quite literally. So yeah, I, I had a great time with that one. I haven't played that one yet. Uh, I've been sort of known about Psychonauts, obviously, from being an old school Xbox player, uh, but never got around to it. And uh, just recently, in advance of Psychonauts 2 releasing, I was like, okay, now's the time. I'm going to kick open. I'm going to try out Psychonauts (laughs) 1. And who, boy, that game is a real pain to play. It has not aged well, in my opinion. I mean, it's an Xbox. It's a literal OG Xbox uh, title. And, uh, you know, fantastic, you know, progressive work for the time. But it does not hold up. It's not at all modern. And maybe it's just me. It's maybe I'm not good enough, a G-O-D, to to play those styles of games anymore. But, you know, it was even giving me headaches, like um, <laughs> just uh, just playing it and the sound effects and the and this very very strong art styles so i'm hoping that the newer game will be a little bit more gentle and uh, i i assume that there'll be some sort of story recap in there to help you get up to speed yeah i mean i mean not there's not a huge recap i mean very little of the original game i mean it was pretty much standalone it, it, it's, it's the, the the story of this new game is quite distinct from what was going on in the first one. Uh, and I, th- I think, in fact, most the, the more important story was actually in the VR game, The Rhombus of Ruin. It's a direct continuation on from that story. So that's technically, I guess, more important than the original game. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's great fun. Uh, and, 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 and I know my daughter loved watching it. It's a good, good sort of kids-friendly game, and the themes might be a bit heavy. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm definitely uh, going to try that out for sure. My next game is kind of similar in tone somewhat to the last game I mentioned. I'll just say that I started playing this directly after a full series rewatch of the X-Files. Uh, I never finished the X-Files series, uh, and I just watched it all on Netflix. I didn't know much about it. I didn't know that it was um, set in the Alan Wake universe. Uh, you know, I heard it was Game of the Year on IGN. Uh, the year it came out. So I was like, okay, let's try this out. And then uh, basically it, it's got the sort of FBI men in black style, you know, conspiracy theory thing down pat. It uh, has tight remedy style gameplay, which of course I've known since the original Max Payne games. 
Although I haven't played some of their more recent titles like Alan Wake or like um, even that Quantum, uh, Quantum Break. Break is them yeah, too, right? Yeah. I didn't play that, so Control was really uh, Terra Incognita for me uh, for, for that gameplay. Uh, but um, I guess just like Nier Automata, this game was just the right game when I needed it to be there. Like it's another action-y game. Obstensively, it's a 3D sort of Metroidvania style game where you're exploring this facility. There's weird stuff going on. You are sort of trying to stop the facility from being overwhelmed by these weird uh, multidimensional forces that you don't understand. But, you know, even the allies you meet along the way, the humans are, are just these real kooks, off, yeah. you know? <laughs> They're super off. Like all of them, even like the most competent seeming of them seem like, who hired this guy or this gal? <laughs> What's the, uh, Casper Darling? Is that the main panel, I think? Yeah. Yeah. There, though there's so many compelling characters <laughs> in that game. And one of them, like the engineer, I think it is, or is it the security guy? His head looks so strange. <laughs> it's it's like too big for his body or something. Anyways, so what will I? What can I say about this game? Uh, tight gunplay, really cool effects. Basically, you can fight with guns, or you can fight with these augmented telekinetic powers, or you can fight with both, which is great because it, it makes for fantastic variety. It's pretty seamless jumping back and forth between those two modes. Yeah, that's right. And you have to sort of use them in, in, in concert together and you can um, grow in skill and you can develop in certain areas and sort of allocate your points very RPG-like in certain areas. So I guess you could say I, I really enjoy sort of action-heavy games with RPG elements like this. The visuals are pretty, you know, pretty understated, I think probably intentionally. The facility looks like, you know, a federal <laughs> building. <laughs> it looks like a you know total brutalist architecture, lots of concrete, but they use it in interesting ways. You sort of have these really harsh angular shapes, but you get these weird alien-like spore growth things happening. And then, of course, you get these really cool effects where like the building is just transforming itself while you're on, sort of, inside yeah, it. Yeah, transformations and inside out upside down sort of formations right so if you like if you like x-files conspiracy theories metaphysical sort of other world sort of stranger things style upside down concepts then this game is going to be right up your alley story-wise uh, like i said the performances were great the characters were great the writing was a little you know facile at times but a little quite interesting at other times and always atmospheric so for that reason, it was just great. It was, like I said, perfect game at the right time. Pair that with a rewatch of X-Files and you'll have a fantastic time. Yeah, I, I played that one, I think, just in the last year. So just outside of the this year's consideration for me. But uh, yeah, it was, it's a great game. I, I The story was, I think, was a little flat in the end, but the world building is so strong, both like the incidental, um, what, what do they call it, the, the relics that you find there's these like might be a, a coffee cup that just replicates itself endlessly or like all these this quirky little yeah is it objects uh, of power that's it yes objects of power these things that just have it's inanimate inanimate objects that just have these abilities that are beyond any reason <laughs> yeah thematically a bit similar to this 
TV show, this short-lived TV show called Warehouse 13. I don't know if you know, know about that one. I've, I mean, I mean to watch that one. I, I haven't seen yeah. it yet. It's about these collectors of just really strange <laughs> objects that were imbued with sort of semi-magical powers, but they're mon- mundane to begin with. So very cool that way. Yeah, I've been looking forward to checking out the uh, and there's an, uh, an expansion that directly ties into Alan Wake. I, I think it's, oh, I think they call it the AWE, the Alan Wake Experience or something. I think it's called. But uh, there's that I, I'm looking forward to getting to. And of course, I just announced the sequel to right. Alan Wake, which may well have a connection to this now that they're in, that they're. Oh, it, in the it same most universe. certainly will. It'll be the <laughs> it'll be the Alan Wake cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna have to finally play alan wake after all this time maybe i'll get the remastered pack yeah i mean to check out i was always a big fan of that when it came out and again i don't know that that's dated terribly well but the remaster uh i i think i believe has changed quite a bit and sort of modernized a lot of that so yeah i, I think that's definitely worth checking out too very nice let's hear about uh, your next game Okay, finally. Uh, I, 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 again, I did discuss this briefly, I believe. Um, that is quite a, a recent game, uh, and not on Game Pass, but everyone, I think, is going to be hearing a lot about this in various Game of the Year lists. I think it may have been IGN's Game of the Year, and that is Inscription. It's uh, ostensibly a roguelike deck-building game, with a few interesting twists. I mean, you've basically you've got a very small deck of cards, and only you're playing them into sort of preset lanes. There's like four lanes that you can play them into, and you've got you put a card down on your side of the lane, and your opponent is going to put down one on the other side. And where two creatures meet, they're going to fight. And you, you're you're trying to deal damage directly to your opponents, but it's it's this really this real push and pull where it's it's not so much health. But there's a scale tipping back and forth, uh, and so you just have to you have to, just have to do enough damage to tip the scale to to their side to to for the win. So there's some really clever um, mechanics there in how you try to to tip the scales, basically. Um, and and I mean the, the card play themselves are very interesting. Like you, you've got, you've got a deck of squirrels basically they're all all these kinds of animal themes so you, you've got a card of squir- a deck of squirrels that you can play for free and every other card that you have will require you to sacrifice something and so the squirrels are, are ostensibly the sort of easy targets for sacrificing but the more powerful creatures might require two different things to be sacrificed and so you're this this real level up as, as you go and sacrificing weaker creatures to get the more powerful ones up and really scaling your power as the game goes on and there's i mean this game this game has a a lot hidden up its sleeves uh which i can't really say without uh spoiling too much but if you've got any love for the the art of deck building and just the 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 the, the, the design of the deck building games in general and how they compare this this game has a lot to say about the nature of 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 deck building games put that way (laughs) It's um, a great experience, and I know they just came out with a um, a mod, I think, or like a, a free expansion that lets you replay that game instead of endless endless runner mode. That I'm curious to check out because that uh, 
that, that that initial premise I think is so strong that I'd, I'd like to see more of that. And even though the game does go well beyond that, uh, I, can't, I can't really say much because there there are spoilers galore in this game. Um, but if you know anything about this this designer, he gets quite uh, meta with um, let's just say the, there are ARGs involved, which might tell you all you need to know. And he's a, a local too, Dan, Daniel Mullins. He's uh, from Vancouver here, so yeah, very excited to see what more comes of this. I don't think it's the last we'll be hearing from this game. Cool, local success story. Yeah, that's definitely on my list. It's always cool to hear about one of those games that's not what you expect it to be. <laughs> All right, I'm going to roll into my title, and then uh, we can wrap it up soon here. Um, so my game, uh, my final game, is not a new game to me. It's not a, a very new game, although it's still in early access. So I suppose <laughs> it hasn't even come out yet. Uh, this game is called Satisfactory. Uh, I've probably mentioned it in my What You've Been Playing uh, recently. And I sort of, this is a, a game that I have a, a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> Um, this is a early access game, like I said. Uh, it's just recently switched between updates four and five. So it's one of those um, games that has big release windows. It's uh, very much like 3D Factorio, if you're familiar with that game. This game takes place in a fixed map world, an alien world, which is occupied by, you know, various strange you know xenomorphs little lizard doggos and then flying whales sort of thing and then giant lumbering balloons with wispy legs or little armadillo um, rhinos who'll come and attack you when you're trying to build stuff and ostensibly you're trying to be a one-person colonization force so you do it with the help of your handy dandy like 3d materialization tool it's like straight up from mine some ore by hand to build a nuclear reactor uh, and everything in between. It's one of those games where there are objectives. Essentially, there are these eight tiers which you have to supply progressively more advanced components and parts and uh, uh, tools into. At, at the beginning of the game, it'll, it'll be so hard for you to make this like moderate level component. And then by late game, you're going to be producing, you know, a hundred of those a second because you have the advantage of automation. So I know this genre of game is not very uh, appealing to you, or you said that it's not <laughs> something that you've gotten into, but I think, uh, I think that's, that's fine. There's, there's different games for different people. Right. Um, and this game is definitely for me, you know, I, I like games with stories, but I don't need to have them, right? I, I love games like Don't Starve or um, Oxygen Not Included, where really you sort of make your own objectives. You sort of make your own goals. It's the true and honest meaning of the word sandbox, because you are driven by yourself to make a better tool, to destroy the thing you spent weeks making to make an even more ambitious and grand scale version of the same thing to just be slightly more efficient or slightly tidier. And just the creations that people have made in this, this game engine are, are incredible. You know, you've seen those Taj Mahals made in Minecraft. Well, this is a, a Taj Mahal that actually makes 500 computers a second um, as a working machine. I'll just, leave it there and say that for those who find that appealing, that idea of just getting 
a raw piece of clay and uh, a chisel and and rough stones and then polishing those into diamonds i think you will find that this game has thousands of hours of fun for you uh, it, it certainly has taken hundreds of hours out of me and that's why i say i hate it because or it hates me because it just sucks me in and won't let me go uh, I, i've definitely had to hard install this game at times because it was getting to be a problem sort of now in, in the age of COVID, where uh, we know we have so few novel experiences a lot of the time with all of the protective measures we have to take it was a real comfort to me to be able to just go out there and sort of you know just have my little play space where i could build my grand design and meditatively build it out and watch some Star Trek TNG episodes in the background and just, you know, chill. <laughs> <laughs> so for that reason, Satisfactory uh, Update 5 uh, is a game that helped get me through this year. Yeah, I, I certainly don't have a thousand hours to spare. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm already playing Final Fantasy 14, but uh, I, I don't really, I, I, I struggle to tell all these factory games apart, to be honest. I, I, I this this and Factorio specifically, I can never remember which is which. Um, but I, I I'm definitely that gamer that I need a bit more guidance and direction. Like hand hand me a box of of random Lego, and I I might match all the colors together, and that's about all I can manage with it. I I just I blank out when it comes to actually trying to make your own goals in these sorts of games i mean I, I can see the the appeal in seeing the arc like this that that sense of progression of gradually getting bigger and better components and upgrades and things i mean i've, I've had a taste of that in something like my time at porsche which i know you you've played uh but that has a, a bit more of a frame around it in the sort of world exploration and uh, sort of making friends with townspeople and that sort of thing, and then this I think it just seems a little too open ended for me. But I can I can certainly see the charm. Like I've so, so I have needed a game to to well, uh, to play while I catch up on my YouTube, basically, and this sounds perfect for that. So yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's sort of like a toolbox, right? It does actually have a lot more guidance than you might think. It's it's not like minecraft creative mode where it's literally you just start out and you go go chip away because of the tiered um development levels it very much sort of funnels you into the direction of what you need um and then there's going to be these sorts of inflection points where uh you've grown as big as you can based on the technology level you're at and you're going to have to sort of overcome that hurdle by accessing a new sort of technology so that new sort of technology isn't handed to you. It's something that you have to sort of explore the world and to find a, a suitable source of a particular mineral or a resource like uh, oil or um, a certain type of uh, sci-fi ore. And to get there, you have to you have to avoid those rhino um, <laughs> rhino armadillo rhinos I was telling you about, or you need to dash through the poisonous forest. Or you need to uh, run through a, a cavernous system with these little tiny spider spider dogs uh, running after you. So there is storytelling in the sense of you're living in a world, right? You're living in a space. Um, you, you just won't have NPCs that are giving you missions, right? That sounds a little more immersive than in something like Factorio, I think, which seems very much abstracted 
from this like the top down view and that that's all you've got to go on really yeah that's the thing for me too is i i started this game first and uh, i know that factorial sort of like the de facto standard for this sort of genre but i really couldn't get into it because um it just wasn't as immersive as satisfactory is is like i feel like i know this world i I know what's around these corners because i've explored them really feels like home like this is this is alpha base and this is bravo base and i spent so many hours here and really made it my own uh so this is sort of like a colonization game except you don't have to worry about feeding yourself you don't have to worry (laughs) about drinking water you just have to get that nuclear reactor up and running so you're not eating the lizard dogs then? That's good. <laughs> no, you can actually befriend them and they will bring you resources. <laughs> Excellent. Anyways, talked about that long enough. It's a it's a fantastic game for those who think they might be into it. I recommend it. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out on that one if I, if I find myself with an extra spare thousand hours. <laughs> cool, yeah, it's on sale right now at Epic. Nice. So just a couple of quick honorable mentions. I... Managed to beat Dragon Quest Eleven. That's the big, the latest big proper RPG in that series. I it was my first time with with that series, but I had a wonderful time with it. I mean, it's it's very stereotypical, tropey JRPG <laughs> sort of standards, but uh, it was very well written, and the quality of life and performances were just. Sort of heartwarming, so I, I, I really, I really like that one. Uh, and for something a little more unique, uh, I think that's probably one of the very first games I played this year was Paradise Killer, which is a sort of indie murder mystery game. You're exploring this digital utopia world that uh, you're living in, very, very much inspired by like vaporwave, like vaporwave vibes, basically. Um, but very a lot of crisp car animation going on, uh, and the music, like the, the music. I, I've listened to that um, the soundtrack probably more than anything else this year. It's uh, it's a real banger. So, um, I, I just just look up some photos. The, the see if the the vibes <laughs> grab you. The, the 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 sort of character design is is really out of this world. Uh, so yeah, I had a great time with that one. Yeah, that game's definitely been on my wish list for a little while now. Um, my uh, honorable mention is a game called Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, a game I know that you finished. I'm still in the middle of it. You know, I played Final Fantasy VII back in the day, so it's it's a real nice comparison. This is a typical sort of PlayStation-style experience to me. It's much like a super polished interactive movie, right? This version even more than the original which was already very cinematic for for its day it's truly a remake in the sense that it um, streamlines a lot of details a lot of janky details from the original but it also elaborates on a lot of elements too so they've made some smart choices to modernize this thing and it's it's a very sort of um, it's got a great tempo like the story keeps pushing you forward it's got enough mechanical choices it's got enough um, smart sort of RPG interaction with the encounters and the bosses that, you know, it really feels like a game. It's not just a movie, but it's like 70% movie, if you know what I mean, uh, at least of what I've experienced. So, um, you know, it's really compelling. It's pulling me along as I uh, play it while on the exercise bike. And, and I'm just going to keep on playing it because it's, it's just like a highly polished gem, I think. Yeah, I, I, I did finish that one this year and, and did enjoy it a lot. It's 
I mean, yeah, the the, the cutscenes alone are, are worth playing for. Uh, they're 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 stunning <laughs> animation. Uh, the the I mean, the combat was 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 pretty strong too. I thought the way you're sort of um, mixing and matching those abilities, but I, I don't know. I, I felt like there was a little bit of a flab by the end of it. Just dragged on a little bit long, and I just had a little didn't quite know what was going on, especially not having played the original. Uh, so I, I, the, the ending left me a little bit confused. So I, I'm curious to see what, where that goes. Um, but it, it's a very much a cliffhanger ending. So I'm not exactly sure where I, where I think with that just yet. <laughs> They've basically multi-parted this. They've done a Hunger Games part one, part two sort of thing. Well, they haven't even said how many parts this is going to be. <laughs> right. So I actually don't know when the game ends relative to the original game, right? I, I'm sure you could tell me, but that would sort of spoil things for for me potentially because um, I, I never did finish Final Fantasy VII original, but I did get pretty far. So I f- remember some of, these, some of these story beats, right? And uh, I think they've done a good job. Like it's clearly not what the original game was, but it's trying to give you the sensation of how you remember it in your rosy colored glasses. Yeah, it's 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 a real blast and um uh maybe, you know, maybe we can talk about it at length in the future. Sure. Yeah. Let's wrap it there. I'm sure we'll have lots of new games uh in the new year. We I mean we've we've already mentioned that Halo 4 and potentially some other Halo ephemera in and around that is going to be our next uh next episode. Uh, so that'll be hitting early next year i guess and uh we've got some exciting plans for the for the rest of the year um we've already, we've discussed a few things we might potentially cover uh hopefully get some new guests on the podcast we just had our first one first guest last episode so hoping to continue to continue that trend yeah it's uh excited to see how this podcast grows yeah i had a fun so far in 2021 recording with you daniel and I'm looking forward to see what 2022 brings us. Well, hopefully we get to play some more games in person. Uh, it's, we've, only, we've only played a couple uh, so far. I mean, I know we're meeting up this weekend to play some Descent, and hopefully that'll continue uh, with many more in the future. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Well, hopefully everyone is at home with their family, maybe taking a little bit of break in this holiday season if you've got it. <laughs> Uh, just chillax, uh, treat yourself with a little bit of game time, let, your, let you catch up on that backlog or try something uh, new and unexpected. Yeah, hopefully this gave you some ideas uh, and let us know what you've been playing, what, both, what, both what you picked up over the holidays, what your favorite game of the year was. I think we, we, we keep forgetting to prompt for uh, questions and feedback. So that is, uh, you can email us at omnigamersclub at gmail.com is that it mark i think that's right and you can yeah. tweet at us at omni gamers club on twitter yep yeah and uh yeah so well, we'd love to have you as part of the club and i said you can you can play along with halo you've got a bit more time now to to catch up on that uh so yeah we hope just to to hear from you well i've had a blast this year and i'm looking forward to seeing you guys in 2022 all right thanks mark awesome all right thanks, cheers thanks for listening, everyone keep playing games Bye. Bye. Game on. <laughs>